You're listening to the Own the Build podcast, where each week, Paul Hemming from C-Link interviews experts on how SME developers and contractors can transform their business through intelligent construction management. Hello, and welcome to Own the Build, episode 47, with me, Liam Curley. And joining me is Paul Hemming. How are you today, Paul? <laughs> All the better for that glorious introduction, Liam. How are you? I'm good, thanks. For anyone who's heard this podcast before, you'll notice we've mixed it up a bit. We flipped it. We flipped it and reversed it. Or probably not reversed it, just flipped it. But uh, today, I'm going to be asking Paolo the questions. Paul, you've not held the stage for a long time. Yeah, that's probably why things have been going well. You're very much the kind of guy that likes the spotlight. That's just that's just completely incorrect. Mm, I'm pretty good at judging these things, I would say. That's <laughs> pretty much now, Mom. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Whatever you say, girls, whatever you say. All right. Well, as a QS, a good QS would say, you didn't reply to that, which means it, it was a form of accepting the terms I put forward. <laughs> I did yeah. reply. I did reply. I said, I'm not sure about that. But whatever, oh, you know, okay. I've, you know I've, right. I've taken enough abuse from you. So if this is another one to add to the list, then pop it on there. Okay. But um, seriously now, there was, there was something that I saw on, on, on LinkedIn and uh, – it was someone um, bemoaning why construction is so slow with innovation. And I, it kind of got me thinking, and I thought, you know what? Paul Hemming of C-Link, co-founder, has um, interviewed nearly 50 people now, and a lot of them are from the kind of tech space in construction of property. So... I thought there's not going to be many people that are well-placed to uh, answer these types of questions that are going around my head. And let's record it. It's a good idea. Okay, let's hit it. So why this this post bemoaning the, the, why construction so slow got me is that I'm not sure construction is significantly slower with innovation. What do you What do you think? Is it? The facts kind of tell you that it is in terms of digitizing. I'm going to quote something, Liam, that you told me about. So I'm going to flip it right back at you. But if uh, something that we actually had in our business plan was a uh, McKinsey study, McKinsey report, it was in 2016. So things have moved on from there. And it was a report where they looked at innovation in key sectors of industry across the world. I think there was 22 key sectors of industry, construction being one of them, and construction ranked 21 out of 22 for the least digitized. So it is definitely, or it was definitely something that was uh, the case. Construction hasn't evolved in quite the way many other sectors have. And in fact, we're right at the back of the queue, or we were in 2016 anyway. Yeah, so I would question that. So I would say there is 
a difference between digitization and innovation. And what I think is the difference is digitization is the take up of the technology. So I wouldn't argue with the fact that construction is slow. People within construction are slow to take on this new technology. But I think the new technology, I think that innovation is there, right? And it's happening. And I think it's been there for a long time. Mm. So, like, you know, uh, BIM, modular, they've been around for years. And that's, uh, you know, there's robots laying bricks or estimating levels of groundwork, there's software, there's loads of great things. But that brings me to the key question is all this innovation is there. So what is it about construction that it holds not, us back? Not, yeah, that's not getting taken up. It's a good question. I think that it's there's no simple answer. What sticks out to me as an obvious answer is kind of like the layout of construction and who is in it, if that makes sense, and the how the number of companies comprises the overall industry. So we've talked about it before, but UK construction is 99% SMEs. So comparing different sectors, if you think about finance and fintech, which would have been one of the most digitized or one of the most innovative sectors for innovation, there you have masses of large corporate companies with big R&D budgets and they're desperate for innovation. Construction is kind of like the the opposite, right, isn't it? You've got 0.5% of the industry is big business. And when you're a smaller business, and we all know this, it's harder to put money into something. It's harder to take a risk on something, to innovate, and things take time, don't they? So I think that we're probably held back a little bit by the overall makeup of the sector and the types of businesses that we have because for mass adoption you've got to be able to um, appeal to to SMEs and it's quite hard to bring adoption into SMEs in my opinion because uh, it's harder to take that risk. Some people would say maybe it's easier because they can be more agile and, and do these things but I would then argue that again maybe the wrong comparison finance and fintech two completely different sectors, finance and construction. But if we look at finance, we've got massive margins on everything, lots of money going around and corporates who can then reinvest that massive margin into um, R&D. We have the opposite, don't we? We have tiny companies operating on small margins and to take a risk and innovate in some way or to take a strategic view and innovate in some way is much more difficult in construction. That would be my opinion. What do, you, what do you think? Well, I would say to that, I would say if you take kind of some of the creative industries, so take design agencies, that is a similar market in that the majority of, of the market is made up of SMEs, but they do take up technology. And I wouldn't have thought their margins are significantly different to construction and they're also, as a marketing person, you know, if you're trying to sell into the, you know, the design world, everyone is online. 
they they use social media, right? They're on Twitter, they're on Instagram, whatever. And you know, one of the challenges we found is that that's not the case with construction. They're not kind of actively online. So that would lead me to question whether the challenge is the fact that it's we're all SMEs. Because in, in digital marketing... Because it, that's it, just one, and I, and I think there probably are examples sure, where yeah. they are made up of SMEs as well, but they're not anywhere near as slow to take up the tech. What's your view? Why, why do you think then there is this slow-moving train? I think you are right. I don't think it's a, there's, a, there's an easy answer. Uh, or, yeah, I don't think there's one answer. I think BIM is the one that gets me more. You know, modular, you can answer, you can you can kind of explain that with different way in different ways to say, you know, it, it, in this country it maybe had a bad name. You know, it was associated more with kind of um, prefab. And also um, it's not practical in in uh, in kind of cities uh, like London, say. Um, or it wasn't anyway traditionally practical, but I think what gets me is is the from the marketing perspective is that it's difficult to use digital marketing to get to a lot of areas in construction, which just that is is a broad take up of construction. You compare architecture, for example, architects are all online. Well, all I say all, but that as an industry is online, and that as an industry does take up new technology. So how does construction differ? Because the, the business of construction are not going to be any bigger or small. Yeah, I see what you're saying. <clears throat> you know, thinking back a few weeks to um, to Sarah Fox, who was the uh, 500 words contracts lady, very, very interesting, wasn't she? And she was talking about contracts and how you could innovate in contracts effectively, since she was on it a massive challenge. So. Thinking about what she said, she said, top-down approach doesn't work. And if you talk about BIM, that's top-down approach, right? It's been around for 20 years. They've tried it on the biggest jobs and at government level and tried to push it down. The big companies do it, everyone else doesn't, which kind of makes me feel about the SME argument. Maybe there is something in that. But I don't know how you could do it bottom-up, to be honest with you, because for those companies for the smaller businesses to be able to commit to change, it's quite difficult to take that risk when you don't have, you have A, big cash flow challenges in construction. You don't have loads of money like the banks sloshing around to say, bang, we'll do that. And you don't have big, when it's not big profit margins necessarily, is it? So that's why I lean towards that. I do think there is more to it though, for sure. Yeah, I think, I wonder whether part of it is because what is different about construction industry is that even on small projects, you could be talking about a project which is which is in the millions, basically. Where that that's a small, you know, one, two, three million pound project. That is a very small project in the industry, um, which is not the which is not the case for most other industries. And you've got so many different stakeholders. That's the other thing, isn't it? It's uh, sorry to interrupt uh, yeah. you. It's we're not an industry of collaborators. <laughs> we love a bit of friction, don't we? We don't like telling anyone. It's all about protecting my backyard. If you go back to Dev um, from Endplan, who was this 
amazing machine learning um, software about project risks and identifying project risks. He said that there was a huge challenge at the start trying to get people to give up their project data for the greater good, right? Because everyone says, no, <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to do that. So I'm not sure if it's a mentality as well in construction, which is holding us back or has historically held us back where because we are all, there's so many different stakeholders, tight margins, one-off project mentality as well is the other thing that you don't necessarily, I think there is less of a strategic longer-term view with many construction companies is probably. Yeah, 100%. Because if you go down right down the chain, I mean, there's, even if you get into the subcontractor, the subcontractor is often made up of self-employed labour. So even even when you get right down to that level, everyone is kind of out on their own. And in most cases, there's no invested interest, well, to invest in educating and learning how to use software. Which, it's not your employees, yeah. Yeah, um, and you've got, you've got so many different stakeholders on one project. And in order for uh, advancing technology to get comprehensively taken on board, you need everyone on that project really to be, to, to not be paying it lip service, but be tied in. Tied into it. Yeah. And then I'm not on the next project and I'm not on the next project and I'm not on the next project. Therefore I can't do it. But then you think about, okay, keep on going back to FinTech, but they're, they're longer term strategic arrangements and accounts that they start managing with big money attached to it. You think, okay, well maybe we can introduce this over the next three, four years. But that's where construction probably has been quite good. BIM has probably been quite good, is on projects like a crossrail, like the Olympics, those jobs where you say the UK government or whoever says, we're going to throw in five billion to crossrail for 10 years. It's going to be on BIM, jump on board or don't jump on board. And those projects have had success from BIM. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I think that is the perfect moment to pause for this break. Own the Build is brought to you from our sponsor, C-Link. Software used by developers and main contractors to manage subcontract procurement in one place. Find subcontractors, automate tenders and contracts, control construction program, compare prices, and improve project profitability with C-Link. To find out more, head to c-link.com. Now back to the show. I'm going to introduce this half because I want to feel like I'm still, you know, involved and engaged. And you're very kind to let me do still that. Still got it. Still you, got it. You yeah. can't let go, can you? I can't. No, absolute outright refusal to let go. So, you're the kind of guy that um, <laughs> likes the spotlight <laughs> and likes to um, likes to swing them around and let everyone know who's boss. I'm I'm airing my dirty <laughs> I'm airing my dirty laundry <laughs> on, a, on a recorded basis and then publishing it to the world. Uh, uh, all right. Obviously, anyone that actually listens and knows you knows that neither of those things are true. If but, this is um, the first episode you're listening to, I'm an all right person. Is that what you're saying, Liam? Yeah, I'm not painting an accurate picture, <sighs> and it's probably it actually is. I'm coming out of this worse, and, um, <laughs> and and that is that is a fair 
reflection on me as a person actually yeah that's yeah we're getting to we're getting to where that's not inaccurate let's on that pleasant pleasant note let's go back to what we were talking about girls and i wanted to talk to you about the adoption curve which is something we've talked about with any kind of innovation right in our business but the adoption curve is innovators early adopters early majority the late majority and as you work through the early adoption phase you get to the mass majority and then people take on board innovation i mean you can probably explain that in a far better way than i just have Um, yeah well you explained it well so just to add a bit more to it yeah so the 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 idea is that people we're all different in how eager we are to try new things some people love trying to be the first to try new things and they will they're they're happy outside the apple store at midnight I don't do that. That's that's a different there, that's a different yeah. crowd. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're happy to try a new. Th- no, I'm thinking. Was it mini discs back in the nineties? I had a mini disc actually. I did have one. Right. Okay. So it's like the kid with the mini disc in the nineties who buys that. They're probably an early adopter. They buy it before it's really become um, a, a big consumer product, and then it and then it kind of it goes off. Or the or the Google glasses was it? Remember those? So there's people that just love to have the new thing. Then there's people that like new things, but they want to see what uh, they want to. They, they want. They don't want to go very first and, and pay a lot of money. Which is like the early majority. Yeah, I've forgotten the exact labels, but you're looking towards early majority, and then you get into the mass market, which is okay. Yeah, people that are you know that that, that kind of buying a Peloton last year or whatever, and then and then you it's you you mean. I've had it for two years. Oh, okay. You're an early adopter. So we've got innovator as the first two. I'm not an innovator, yeah. yeah. And then at the end, and then back at the very end, not after that, but at the very end, you got the the uh, was it Luddard Luddite? Laggard. It's got to be Laggard. One of the best best phrases ever. So breaking it down: two, three percent innovators, ten, fifteen percent early adopters. 34% 34% early majority, 34% late majority. Then you got the late, lovely laggards at the back, right? Now, why I wanted to raise They're still this, using the VHS. They're still on VHS, yeah. Good luck to them, I say. They're still on the mini-disc now, probably. Um, I don't think but, they know what a mini-disc is. <laughs> but going... Actually, now that you raised mini-disc, it fits with what I wanted to talk about, about the adoption curve. So I got a mini-disc in the noughties or whenever it was because my best mate had got one and i saw that it worked and it was it was an improvement on the walkman right so i consider myself if you're describing someone in the early majority which is like the first 50 percent, but not in the very very early stages that is a person who wants to adopt innovation but only after it's proven to be suitable right which is exactly how i felt i was Saw that my mate did it, thought it was cool, went for it. I mean, let's just explain as well. There is a caveat to this. You don't necessarily have to be one label to an early adopter in every aspect of life. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be for the things you're interested in, it's those things, but not clothes or not food, whatever. So, yeah, go on. Absolutely. And I feel perhaps wrongly because I'm in the early majority and I, that's generally how I approach things. I want to see that it works. But is that maybe something that we as an industry want to see technology working? That's what I get a lot from people that I speak to. 
is, you know, the way it works now is fine. I'm not sure if I need to change yet because we're still in such an early phase of adoption that that is still where like the, the feedback that we're getting. I'm wondering whether that's an industry thing for us, maybe because of how difficult the margins are. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I don't think the margins are anything to do with it, but I I do think that we, when you think about it, the industry is one which is risk averse, I would say, and there's a lot of inertia, is that the right word, to change? There's like a, you know, there's an attitude where, well, what I do works, it's not verbalized like this, but I'm not interested in change to improve things because it might not improve things and I'm just happy tooling along with what I'm doing. And there's probably... And I don't have time to change either. I'm in the job. I don't, right I don't think that's true because I don't think we have any more or less time than any other industry to change. Fair. Okay. I, yeah. I think it's just a risk averse and there's more tendency to do nothing rather than take action and that, probably if if there were some way to map out that kind of um i forget what we're calling it but you know early adopters and in the mass mar- mass market and everything there's probably we're probably further back as an industry as a whole than other than other industries and that's probably what it is because you think about a lot of the techniques in how we build um how we manage construction haven't changed for decades even though they could have changed, and yeah, it, it, there's so many, there's so many stakeholders as well. You know, you've got all these institutions around it. You've got all these different professions within the industry who then have their own stakeholders. There's so many moving parts, isn't there? There are, but actually, this brings me to the next point, which again, I spoke about the stakeholders, and now I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of mention prop tech. He's smirking right. here property technology so now i'm thinking well actually property developers there's no fewer stakeholders there that's true right yeah and architecture actually there's no fewer stakeholders there but the uptake of new technology is much greater the construction so stake so the number of stakeholders probably isn't the problem i think it is this but if you talk to it's funny though isn't it because if you talk to property developers i'm gonna it's a sweeping generalization here this isn't applicable to them all but i've heard many a time of you know you can you can split property development into a few phases right the land acquisition funding construction sales let's say there's those four i've heard many many times them say i'm not interested in the construction side of it like it's just like a means to an end but the innovation in prop tech isn't around the construction side of things, I don't think. It's about innovating that, finding the right land and using data at that end, then doing the same with funding. There's all these new products. We've spoken to a few people, haven't we, on finance products and the kind of stuff that you can do with that. But construction still, even in a property developer's mind, is the bit that you can't change. You can't do anything with it. It is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, because I think that the elements before construction if you're a developer and you're not from a construction background the elements before construction are probably a lot a lot closer aligned to where they have come from which is probably real estate or finance or something similar right so the idea of land acquisition planning 
even design is a lot close to where they come from, which is around managing risk and other other elements around numbers and decision making and whatnot. Um, and they probably have transfer transferable skills that, that they can they can kind of get more involved with that, and maybe they're more interested in that. But um, you know, they're 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 very small. You know, talking about small businesses, almost every property developer is a small, medium enterprise, right? In the same way as in construction, so. But they're much more advanced. So maybe, yeah, you're right. Get rid of the SME argument. That one doesn't work because yeah. they're, they're doing it elsewhere. The stakeholder argument doesn't really work. Because, get, get rid of that one. Yeah. God, you're, you're killing me here, Kels. Is, 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 so it seems to be it's a mindset of the people as a whole within construction is a lot more, uh, there's a lot more inertia and, and there's probably... A, a lean to the right with regards to, to our little graph, a plotter of adopters and uh, early adopters and mass market and uh, innovators and whatnot. There's probably far fewer at their early innovator stage and a lot more towards the back end of early adopter and mass market. And that is the problem. And there's always a chasm, right? They call it crossing the chasm. There's a chasm where a technology jumps from one group to the next. So it jumps from innovator to early adopter, um, from early adopter to, I forget them all now, the, the, the main ones, but the next stage. Late, yeah, um, early majority, late majority. For anyone listening, go and have a look at this, type into Google Rogers adoption curve, just a picture of what we're talking about. Yes, yeah. and we'll put a link simple. in the notes as well. But yeah. let's come to the last question anyway, because if we You want to wrap this that, up, do you? Let's wrap this up, shall we? Um, <laughs> let's move on with our lives. If we accept that the technology is there, but the adoption is slow, and we think it's probably around the mindset or, of the industry rather than any sort of barriers, we've spoken to a lot of different technology companies and uh, consultants in the area. So you've got a, a good idea of what is out there. If you were setting up a main contractor firm today and, you know, you have the skills and experience to do that, what would you do differently to what most are doing out there that involves technology? Yeah, I think it's, I've thought about that question a bit because of the people that we've spoken to in the last year. And it's interesting. I would definitely, I would introduce a lot of software to streamline things. Number one, I'd introduce ceiling. Only joking, not shamelessly plugging it, but... The thing that stuck with me the most of many of these conversations we've had is BIM and how little it's been adopted and how much the world, the wider world, wants to adopt it. And again, going back to our curve, I think you could argue that BIM is still in the very first stage. Like the, It's only really the innovators that are using it or very much early adoption. It's n if you look at all the projects, it is not everywhere. It's the opposite. It's nowhere other than on the big jobs with the big companies and the big clients, a.k.a. the government. So I would look at that as representing a real opportunity um, to a contracting organization in that as that seeps through, and it will seep through, not only can you benefit from all the efficiencies you get with BIM, but you would stand out because... The big companies are doing it. I know a company turning over 400 million 
who still aren't doing it. They just took on their first BIM manager and it's blowing their mind. But that is if you're ridiculous, that? 400 million. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's like they're building huge, huge projects and they are now it's you have to have it, you have to have it. So they're adapting and taking it on. But I'm not suggesting that that's what I would do initially, but I would want to set up to be BIM capable in some way so that you could say that when it does go through the adoption curve and you cross those chasms, and I'm pretty sure BIM will cross the chasms because of what is behind it, how much money and how it's being driven by the government effectively. When it does get into the early majority, the late majority, and even to the, well, let's forget about the laggards. I just wanted to say laggards again. There is going to be an opportunity there for the smaller businesses to capitalize on that. So that, from all of the amazing conversations with all the very interesting people that we've had, is probably the thing that stuck out to me as, like, there's something to be done there and there's some big gains to be made. Um, and because there's so much for it to go through from all the majority, then I think that you could make really good business from that. Sounds good to me. Uh, have you got? Have I blown you away with that? Have I? You've blown me away. I was just thinking that are you going to do this or? <laughs> I'll stick with ceiling. I'll stick with ceiling. But what, I mean, what, what 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 do you think? No, I, I agree with that. Uh, I would um, if you're not picking out particular products. I just think if you're in construction, if you have a contracting firm, you know you are missing a huge opportunity, which is just obvious. It's not even, you know, like you're looking at blockchain and Bitcoin, um, uh, crypto and NFTs and all that right now. And, you know, you're thinking, oh, I don't really know. You know, they're still early stage. BIM has been around for ages and still not getting taken up. And it is clear to me that if you take that up, you are, you are going to be way ahead of your competition. You're going to make more money. You're going to position yourself to win more work because you're going to be able to offer your clients so many more benefits. You're really missing out on a massive opportunity that's just staring you in the face. Yeah. And, and if you have that and a bit of ceiling, you know, life is going to be good for you guys. <laughs> if you have BIM and ceiling, you can't lose. <laughs> Fact. Well, Fact. I'll, I'll take that girls. Yeah. Well, I just realised that I was hosting. So um, at, at this point, you're meant to say what a charming uh, and interesting and insightful episode it has been with a great guest. Yeah, thank you for joining us, Paul. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you usually say, so I just, you know, you kind of bigged yourself up there as per usual. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't think I don't feel I need to add to that. You, well, you, I think you've done a great job of hosting Curls. I've enjoyed being your guest. That's very kind. Well, I'll, you can come back. Let's do that. But maybe we'll switch sheets next time and you can be the host again. So, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed this, Paul, even, even if you haven't. <laughs> and uh, I'll uh, see you again next week uh, when you'll be asking questions. I'll see you next week, mate. Take it easy. Cheers, Paul. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.